podcast is to analyze the games that we love, the lines of the music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Rose Winter Burns, I'm kind of pressing my horse. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. I'm trying to get into some topics today. What you got for me? Not a lot, bro. Chris Walls made it to the track. This is the perfect time to talk about a lot of topics. But obviously, we as if I was mentioning, just a, a, a wide-ranging uh, 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 list of topics to get into. Obviously, the NBA draft last week, um, some heavy news there. And NBA free agency is always a lot to speculate. Some album reviews, and in the, the second half, we're going to do a review of uh, Mo Better Blues. Um, to start off with just thoughts on Victor Webinyama's potential as um, you know the number one pick um, this past Thursday, the Spurs drafted Webinyama. And as a seven-footer, we're just so many intangibles. You know, He's considered by many to be a generational talent as a player who can defend and play above the rim, but you know also hit step-back three-pointers. Um, what are your thoughts on what San Antonio, you know, San Antonio drafting him and also just the hype that, that he's encompassing? Because, like, it's been a while since we've had a player come in with, with this much hype. Yeah, I mean, so he's going <laughs> to he's going to get Giannis for the 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 worst, not the worst name, but the hardest name to say in NBA history. That's the first thing out the gate. (laughs) (laughs) The first (laughs) out the gate. These announcers, podcasters, the whole shebang is going to be winded. (laughs) Who's your bazada? Who's your mama? So it's going (laughs) to, it's going to be crazy for the first two years until, uh, you know, people still get Giannis uh, last name wrong. But anywho, but Man, we talked about him before this happened, before he got drafted out with the San Antonio, that he was just a rare talent. The guy's freakishly tall. He's 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 long. He's good front court, back court. He can create his own shot. He he just do does things in a manner that you won't think you God would create a human. Yeah, you create this type of human being to be able to do these abilities. But then you you get past the, you know, oh, he's amazing. But then you look at the situation he's going to, right? He's going to San Antonio Spurs, 22 and 60 last year. I don't know what this guy, what they want him to be the savior. No, they were last in their division. They were last in the West. Is he a great talent? Yes. Is he a LeBron James who could turn around an organization this fast? I don't think so. So it's when you get past the raw, a a rare ability that he has. Got to look at the realistic factors as well. (laughs) Yes, the realistic factor. Can he come in and immediately help? We saw this last year with, well, kind of two years ago, I guess you'd call last year, with Home Green before he got injured doing the, uh, you know, the Pro-Am, the Summer Leagues. We didn't know what he was going to do with uh, OKC. Now we get a chance to get a feel to it. So I think it's the same type of hype because they they match up accordingly, Home Green and Victor. I'll attack it later. I got to get some practice. We're warming up, warming up. We're all warming, we're warming up. To last up. <laughs> it's a it's a full on season. We probably won't see him this summer. Uh, probably see him more in the obviously getting into the regular scene uh, in in preseason. But he, I think they match up. Chet Home Green and, and Victor, I think they match up in quality. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see them go at the same time. Even though obviously Chet Home Green was drafted way before, yeah, way uh, before Victor was. Yeah. So it's interesting to see both of those guys and what they do. And OKC has better promise, obviously, what they did last year without him. Mm-hmm. But once you get past the raw of rare ability, you just get to the realistic factor. He's not going to be able to turn this this team around. He needs the three, four years. There's a lot of guys who had this hype, like Kobe Bryant, who didn't come out and, and make I think he went to the the Hornets first, yeah, uh, and then he went got you know traded to the Lakers. He didn't make Lakers immediately better. They had Shaq already, had different pieces, so it takes it time. took time. It takes time to like yeah. integrate a player like that because like even oh, I, I, sure. I mean reports about the the Spurs like 
wanting to take their time and, and, and playing him for a lot of games. Like they, they might even like manage the amount of games that, that he plays. Like, like they're thinking about maybe six around 60 to 65, just not pushing him too hard. Um, do you think that's another thing? Like the Spurs are also, they're realistic thinking like, Hey, we know it's going to take some time. So we're not even going to try to play him every night. We're just going to like get him like integrated in a, in a slower manner. Obviously you want to want him to play, but you have to realize right. that, Hey, we want to make sure our talent is invested for the long term. I mean, in this day and age, we get, you know, low management and, you know, yeah. a lot of old heads, new heads, they're clashing about this topic. But when it comes to Victor, he's already injured. He's already probable for the start of the season. That's why he's not playing in the summer league. And that's not he's not going to be in law. He's going to be in Las Vegas, but he's not playing with the Spurs at the moment because he's already playing an injury. The number one draft, it already has an injury. So <laughs> it's 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 gaunting to think about this rare talent and what you can do with it, but you have to have limitations. One, because he's already injured. Two, he's a young guy to put that much on his shoulders. I know he had a he did the podcast uh with Reddick. JJ Redding, he was like, Oh, the, the pressure doesn't get to me. Bull crap. This is the NBA, first of all. This is not overseas. It's not France. It's not Hong Kong. I was wondering what Hong you Kong what you thought about that, about that, that clip, because it was it was, it was interesting because I'm just like that sounds great. That sounds great. It before. sounds amazing. <laughs> but like, man, but come you, on. when you get into those the, in, in, into the, the nitty gritty of NBA season, it's it's rough. It's a bear. It's rough. And you're going to an organization that is used to winning, mm-hmm. who's has multiple championships, who's been to NBA finals, who's been in, in, in a, a longevity in the postseason. Right. And they draft you number one. That's a lot of pressure. A then you take pictures with greats. Tim yeah. Duncan. Ginobili, Parker, the other guy that was in the picture. I don't know him. <laughs> I think David Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're taking, it's a lot of pressure. It's okay to say, yo, this is a lot of pressure for me, but I'm up to the task. Yeah. That's a clear cut answer instead of just being delusional, like, oh no, I want to think of a clever way to say I'm not under pressure. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You're getting, you're getting compared to LeBron James type. To come in to change the face, they want you to be the face of the NBA. That's what they're gearing you up to. They get they they did it for Zion a little bit. He he didn't step up to the plate. They did it for Trey Trey Young for a little bit. He didn't step up to the plate. So they're looking for the next guy, Luca. Maybe I don't know, but they want a new guy. They want a new guy from overseas. And I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> no, <you're good>. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Yeah, energy. <laughs> I got energy. <laughs> um, but, but moving on to our next topic with, with Scoot Henderson and, and Brandon Miller's future, you know, the, the, the number two and third pick. Scoot Henderson is, you know, a tone setter offensively without athleticism, and, and Brandon Miller's a prototype wing and, and a, an elite shooter. And, you know, with all the hype around around Victor Webb and Yama, these two kind of like were in the background a little bit, a little bit, but they are still phenomenal talent. Yes, and they can bring a lot to the table. Obviously, in terms of in terms of their respective teams. Now, what are your thoughts on on what they kind of possess offensively, skill wise, with the athleticism, and, and what they can do, you know, instantly for their teams? If you're if you're not familiar with what type of basketball player I, I like the most, one is a center. I was huge on Dwight Howard, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. I should have that should have been reversed. Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard. <laughs> Obviously, you got guys like Tim Duncan, and then it's the prototypical type point guard, a facilitator 
who looks to pass first, who gets his team hot first, and then he can create his own shot, and then he can finish at the rim, and then and then and it's an add-on. That's what Scoot Henderson is. I was big on Colin Sexton when he came out of Alabama. I'm big on this guy, too. He impressed me so much with his, his basketball IQ and his ability to facilitate first and then and then and then. I Obviously, Victor got he got the hype, but I think Scoot Henderson is one of those guys who could come in and make an immediate impact, and I yeah, think he will. An immediate impact on a guy. And if you want, I think he's humble enough to come off the bench as well and be a six man. I think he has that mentality, and that's what you need for your organization. I the guy has a ceiling man. to Mars. Bro's a dog, man. Yes. I looked at a bunch of tape. I'm like, yo, his IQ is 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 for a 19 year old, and he's six two, which I love the most. He's not a tall, gonkly six <laughs> ten. Point guard, light skin from Australia. He's not one of those guys, but he's six two. He's gritty. He's not. A, he's not afraid to finish at the rim. He's not afraid to uh, to ISO if he has to. So he has all those tangible things and intangible things. That humility aspect you want from younger guys coming in. Yeah. So Scoot Henderson is was big on my on my radar. And then you look at a guy, Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller's cool. Like, I'm not big in small fours, but I think he's, he thinks Paul be, George is the is the GOAT. He thinks Paul George is the GOAT. <laughs> yeah, that 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 yeah, that threw me off. That was like, hilarious. Really... They're like, so, so what do you think? LeBron and MJ said, you know what? Paul George. <laughs> Paul George he was like, really what? wants to get on his podcast. That's what it, I think it is. He really wants he really to get wants on that Paul podcast George's invite. <laughs> Bro, please stop being delusional. <laughs> Paul George is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's no Blaren James, man. This it's it's clear, clear cut. Like they were it's asking like not people even for a reason. Close. They didn't mention yes. Paul George for a reason. <laughs> Bro, like, why? Paul team George was like, would... follow the question. <laughs> follow the question. <laughs> then you look like, Bro, what'd you say? <laughs> and I know Paul George saw it was like, what? Thank you for the comp. Like, I, I appreciate the love, boy. You're delusional, my guy. <laughs> That's crazy. And that was the highlight, the hot, the, the, the headline mm-hmm. from Brandon Miller of what he said about Paul George and just, just alluded. Anywho, I think he's a good player. I think he's he's coming off the bench. I don't think he starts right away in the lineup, but that's not that's not a knack to his abilities. I think he'll be better at a six-man position. Cause a small four right now position is kind of even when you got but he is not a true power, uh, small forward anymore. You, Kevin Durant moves around. It's a bunch of Mikael Bridges moves around. It's so it's not the like definition a, of it a, is kind of afraid. So yeah, so I don't see him playing power forward. I think he's too small to play power forward. So small forward in that, it's kind of iffy. So that's why I say he comes off the bench. I think he's a good shooter. He has those tangible things, but I don't think he gets in a lineup right away. I think he works his way up and yeah. comes off the bench and supporting cast player and then become something uh, bigger than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now transitioning to the news of Chris Paul heading to Golden State and this, you know, kind of being such a surprising development. Um, uh, last week, the Wizards agreed to send uh, Paul over for Jordan Poole after the Bradley Bill exchange. And it's, you know, very interesting to, to see Chris Paul end up on a team, you know, he's faced so many times in the playoffs over the past decade. That that gif of him and Steve Kerr fake laughing, like, I, I just get, oh, there's so many moments. It's just like, Chris Paul and the Warriors have been rivals, like, for years and now they're on and now he's on the same team and it's like when I first when I first think of the trade it's interesting because obviously the the pool Draymond um clash was always something everybody knew one of those two guys was going to yes. get moved but also when you look at this team 
whenever Steph and Clay weren't on the floor, they they needed somebody to keep scoring and nobody could. And that may be a, a mindset of, of the of the Warriors being like, okay, like let's get somebody who can be that guy to keep the offense humming when our when our best two guys aren't on the floor. Chris Paul can be that guy who slows the pace down, but at least keeps the team, you know, structured and not. <clears throat> Jordan Poole is not going to be structured. He's going to he's going to pull up from anywhere. No, you know what I mean. So, no, so he Chris Paul not. does bring more discipline, but at the same time, this is an older older guard, and it makes you think like they're yes. making an older move. Like, what do you, what did you initially think of the trade and kind of how how it how it might work? I understood the trade. Obviously, for that the reason alone, when Steph is off the the court, they need a, a true facilitator. Draymond is good at what he does, but he's not Chris Paul when it comes to slowing the game down properly and then being that facilitator in that mint range, just giant. Yeah. Just I've, Chris Paul is just amazing he's at that. Awesome. But just like Victor, you go past all that and realistic, he's he's pushing the NBA limit of age. Sure. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. He's injured prone. He was just injured in the postseason that he could have been a big factor of helping them go to the NBA Finals. So is he going to be able – are they going to rely on him? And then third, the relationship between Draymond and CP. Draymond has been vocal about him not liking CP3 at all. Yeah, He said that blatantly like, I don't like the guy. So you're putting you're you're swapping one situation and another putting situation. another situation in. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to be like oh they're going to be professional about it, but they're going to yeah. butt heads because Draymond wants to be the facilitator. He brings the ball up sometimes. He's pig headed, thinking he's sometimes something he's not. <laughs> but I think it's going to cause more friction that it that it solves problems. And I understand it but I don't think it was the right move. It was the right move to get rid of Jordan Poole for sure, but getting Chris Paul in the, the midst of that, I don't know. I mean, it's different. Like, it's different if you bring Chris Paul to the Lakers and, Le- and him and LeBron are instantly, instantly like the best of friends. You know what I mean? It's just a natural chemistry. But Chris Paul and yes. Draymond, it's like you might have another interesting locker room situation. <laughs> oh, <So>. no. <laughs> Headlines going to go crazy for that one. Yeah. Um, and, and now getting into, into Bradley Bill's a new fit in Phoenix. The Wizards recently finalized a trade to send Bill to the Suns for a package, package um, that originally included Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and several second-round picks in the pick swap. The Wizards also ag- agreed to send guard Jordan Goodwin and, and Isaiah Todd to the Suns. Um, and, and, and this is – the Suns are in that position of they just added KD in February. We all knew it was going to take time for him to get acclimated. Um, my first question is why would you bring in – another big three. Why would you add in another big three and not build around KD and Devin Booker? Cause I think that's, that's the better move. You know what I mean? Like with, with Brooklyn, yes. it, it almost feels like I was, I was talking about it with Tyler the other day. It almost feels as though a, a repeat of Brooklyn, like, it, it, like, like James mm. Harden, Kyrie and, and KD, but they, but the difference between those two teams is they had a natural point guard in James Harden. Cause he could just naturally run, run the point with this team. True. I mean, are you going to have Booker do it? Like these guys are natural point no. guards. You know what I mean? So, so they're going to have Cameron Payne. Yeah, I can't, oh. <laughs> the irrational, the irrational confidence. <laughs> oh but, god! But in terms of this of this trade and, and and what it means for the Suns, like like like, what do you think about it? And you know, their attempt to, to go for another big three. I think. Let me get my just delusional 
comments out the way. I think this is brilliant from Bradley Bill, who has been so patient on trying to get to the next move. They've been trying to deal Bradley Bill for years. He's been he's he's you know signed with the Wizards. He's been patient, and now he gets to go to an organization that wants him to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And then he has the key players. When he was the Wizards, there okay, there was nothing there. Yeah. Now let's get to the realistic nature. Why? Poor K. Why do it? Get you some supporting cash players. You could have got, instead of getting Bradley Bill, you could have got two other three-point shooters. Yeah. You could have got another big to go with DeAndre Aiden because he looked like he didn't want to be there half of the series. You could have got more pieces. I get Bradley Bill. He's he's great front court, back court. He's going to give you that dog minutes when you need him the most. But your bench is what got you in trouble in yeah. the in, in, in the playoffs. You didn't have a long enough bench, and then CP3 goes down. God forbid if Devin Booker or KD or one of these guys goes down, you're going to be in the same similar situation you was. <laughs> and that was an excellent point with the, the Brooklyn. This is exactly what it is. But I do think I will. I like Bradley Bill better in this big three than KD, uh, yeah, Kyrie, and, oh, sure. and James. Yeah. But those three, I, they, those three, they just want to. They just want to shoot forever. <laughs> yes, at least, at least, and I think Bradley Bill, he'll he'll give you that the dog, the dog minutes. Yes. He doesn't. Sometimes he don't care about shooting. With the Wizards, he had to. But I think in this in this relationship, I think he's be he'll be more uh, open to different roles and concepts. So you don't think he's overrated? You don't think Bradley Bill's overrated? So I've, heard, oh, I've, heard, no. I've heard some people say, oh, man, these, this is just going to show that he's overrated. I, I think Bradley Bill's properly rated. In the, like he's, he he yeah. was the highest scoring leader at one point. It was, you know, averaging, I think, 31 or 32. Like, Bradley Bill gets buckets. Like, like don't, people, don't get it twisted. People forget that he's been in a, 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 a matrimony that he's been trying to get out for a while. He finally was like, you know what? I divorce you. Then I think when you look at what Kobe did and Tim Duck and all these guys of loyalty to a organization at the end of the day, they don't, you're just numbers to them. And I think now they're going to, they're going to realize how good he is. Yeah. I think once he gets out into the, cause who watches the Wizards game? NBA league pass subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> That's about nobody. it. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Not even the reporters be like, ah, oh, we'll get, oh, we'll happened? catch the highlights. They're like scrambling next morning. What I gotta write something. We'll, we'll catch the highlights. Oh my gosh! But I, yeah, that's 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 asinine to thinking Bradley Bill is not that guy. Bradley Bill is that guy. He He's is. gonna show it. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting to, to Chris Hops Porzingis joining the Celtics. This was a a three team a three team trade among Boston, the Clippers, and the Wizards that sent Porzingis and the, and the Clippers landed Malcolm Brogdon. Brzingis still has the ability to decline his 36 million player option and become a free agent. They also recently traded Marcus Smart to, to Memphis, and that was kind of kind of like the heart and soul of that team. Um, but obviously, the Celtics had kind of still been running into a wall of not winning a finals and even getting back to the finals this year. Um, what do you think about the fit of, of Porzingis? Because I know some people are, are kind of high high on this pick, but obviously, this is an interesting this is an interesting fit because it makes you think of, think of like. Man, like Williams was supposed to be like like the lead center guy. Now you add in Porzingis. Like, what's the identity of this team? Like, like what what stands out to you with this trade? I didn't think it was in the NBA still. To be honest with you, I didn't know Porzingis was in the NBA still, bro. And when I heard he's going to Boston, why? I just what does he has left? What do, what, what does, does he, he have, have left? left? 
they try with the Mavericks. They try with the Knicks. They he's been. What are they I'm thinking? I'm going to get out. Saying that because some people are saying like, "Man, this makes the Celtics the favorite." I'm like, "What is Porzingis?" <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I, just... hey, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of not watching him enough to last year, but I don't know what's making them the thing. <laughs> <laughs> he averages three dishes a game. What are we doing here, bro? He doesn't even play. We're just saying anything. He's washed <laughs> up. He is a bust. If we're going to give the bust words to all these, like Greg Oden, all these other guys, Chris. Porzingas or Christus Bergkaturi, he's a bust, bro. He's a bust. He's a bust, bro. It doesn't make sense. Marky Smart is gone. That was a big part of their big part of their organization. Big part. They're they're not going to find another player like him because he. We're not. We didn't agree with you. Didn't agree with that trade, did you? Absolutely not. He's the heart and soul of that basketball team. Has that toughness. He's the dog minutes, and he was He's getting better as now. a shooter. Yes, and he was he was getting better as a shooter. He was already a facilitator. He's going to be crazy on the front court. Like, I just I that just one didn't even feel right. I'm like, it just doesn't even feel like this all without Marcus Smart. Like, it just feels so different. Yeah. <laughs> but I did see uh, like a, a little setup that him and Tony Allen has the same. Uh, oh, career because they yeah. came both from the same uh, college. Both started with the Celtics and then ended up with Memphis. And Tony Allen was oh, on the defense. Oh my goodness. gosh, first my team. He'll let you know. First defense. team. Yes, yes. But I don't get that. The Porzingis. I don't get that. He's going to come off the bench. He's not going to start. He can't. So what's the point? He's not going to give you threes anymore. He probably doesn't have any strength in his legs anymore. I just, I don't know. Maybe it is wishful thinking. We come back. We come back. And these things making all these puzzling trades. <laughs> Who's got the direction? Make it make sense. Nuggets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. No, for real. They got everybody in shambles. They got everybody, they, man. They're people, the new people it, scrambling. They're the new. They're the new it team, honestly. The, 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 and, and I mean, it, there's really looking at what they did because if man it feels like the last time we talked <laughs> they were up to one to Miami so much so much has, has changed in terms of um the outlook because the trades just over you know overshadow the finals because the NBA just keeps humming along it's it's like it's, right. a, it's a 12 months a uh, type of type of league and industry that it just keeps going but what did you think about how the finals ended um what you know obviously what Jokic did and just the fact that this this is this was a team that they did run into some snags, but overall, there was really no doubt they were going to win each series. They, and we, and we, we talked about this, obviously. Jokic is just, he's just so good. When he, and I love, I love the fact that he's a facilitator first. And he gets, he's the heart and soul, for sure. Heart and soul of the Denver Nuggets. I think Jamal Murray is the leader of the Denver Nuggets. I said this before, but what they accomplished, we didn't know. We knew Caldwell Pope was a good player, but he showed that he, he, his ceiling is not touched yet. Michael Porter Jr. Finally gets to that groove and he shows the type of player he is. Mm -hmm. And then the, the biggest surprise out of all these players is Aaron Gordon. Man, his value skyrocketed. And it's those players. We know Jokic and Jamal Murray are great players, but Aaron Gordon, Caldwell Pope, 
Michael Porter Jr., those three guys, and Bruce, Bruce Brown, Brown, who's, who's they're they going to have to replace him, and I think he's going to go to the Lakers. That's what everything is talking about. But, man, they have a great supporting cast, and that starting five is solid. Aaron Gordon surprised me. That was the biggest surprise out of this whole thing. He showed he's not just a dunker. He's a good defensive player, and he'll give you some consistent buckets and rebounds. So Really good player. Really good. Really good player. And now, man, he surprised me because when he was with Orlando, you know, he was all dunking. He was still getting into the league, getting him to himself. And I think now in the role he is with the Denver Nuggets, people he's were able wondering. To shine a little more. People were wondering, yeah. can you do more? Like, can you do more? And he showed that. It's like, it's are like, you just a dunker? Yeah, it's like how the last finals, Andrew Wiggins showed what he can really do. Because outside yes. of Steph, he was the most most impressive player in that finals. I feel like this sure. year was like an Andrew Wiggins level type of performance in the finals for Aaron Gordon. Like he showed that. Obviously, there are better players than him in the series, but if he didn't do what he did, they they weren't going to have as comfortable of a lead as they did. No, no, not at all, not at all. And man, and bro, the they're they're going to be the new dynasty. I don't I give, so. and I and I stand by this. Jamal Murray, Jokic, I don't think they're the, the top five duo just yet. They got to do this consistently. We all know how hard it is to keep all these players together. They're going to get poached. They're going to. Trades are going to entice. Bruce Brown, I think, w- was a very vital part to their 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 uh coming off the bench. He's gone. So yeah. bit by bit, how can how long can you keep these guys together? How long, how many championships, or how how long can you be successful with the guys you have? And we know starting a dynasty and cons- having that dynasty consistently win is extremely hard in any oh, sport. Yeah, sure, that's tough. So to say they're the new dynasty, I'll give it to them. But obviously, they're going to have to show it every season. If they win the championship or get close, then, okay, then they could talk to see what. Yeah, but if they don't make it past the first round, they're not a dynasty. We'll give it to them now. We'll give that title, you're the new dynasty. But they don't get past round one next year. Then uh, we'll know. One hit wonder. That was smooth, brother, because they don't want to be a one-hit wonder. No. And we've had a bunch of them. We've had a lot of them, though. We've had a we lot had of them. a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. And it's we know we got to applaud the Warriors of what they've done. Man, it's crazy. We haven't had that since the Bulls. Man. And the, well, the Lakers. I'll say the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, had a dynasty, and they repeated. They should have repeated three times, but they lost to the Pistons. That's another question. That's another story. But, Yeah. It's going to be interesting if they can keep all these guys together and then, then they can replace Bruce Brown Jr. Absolutely. Well, but before we move on to the albums, man, where's where's Damian Lillard going to end up? We talk about this every offseason. Is he going to stay in Portland or is he going to go to Miami? <laughs> that man's staying in Portland. As always. It's just it's always this drama. And it's like, we all, we all know what you're going to do. You're going to stay in Portland. You're going to put up a lot of numbers and then – not go to the finals. <laughs> Man, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I think he wants those pieces. He, I think he, he's, he's going to stay. He's just one of those guys. He's just that that old school mentality. I'm going to stay. I'm going to ride this bus to the wheels fall off. Him in Miami but would I, be I, interesting, though. Him in Miami would be interesting. It would. They'll they'll be immediately better because then That's Jimmy Butler doesn't have to be as consistent. Jimmy as he can't win, win big like this, though, like with what he's doing. No. He can get to the finals but not win it all. No, I think with Damian Lillard and then those two other guys who were were phenomenal come off the bench, I think, oh, man, that would be scary. They would definitely be the new new favorite, the new, new favorite. 
for sure. Because you know we have new favorites every year. They're the oh, new, yeah, new favorites. We favorite. just change. <laughs> we just swap them. <laughs> <laughs> they look good on paper. How about that? <laughs> exactly. Um, and now we get into our first album review with, with Killer Mike's Michael. Um, <laughs> in this new album, it is a self-portrait in, in many ways, and it contains killer hooks and, and, and swaggering, tender intro- introspection. It gets you know extremely personal, and, and it's centered on Black masculinity and, and the women in, in his life. Um, this this album is is just it's one I, I've just really enjoyed. There, there haven't been a lot of standouts this year, but to me, the production, the the honesty, the vulnerability in it, um, how it was sequenced, I thought the features in it. Everything had currency, had Ty Dolla Sign, had Future, had had all the the pieces I think you want in, in an album like this, and, and I and I think it was just a phenomenal body of work. Uh, what, were, what were your initial thoughts on this, and, and and some of your takeaways? Yeah, this was uh well thought out. This was a, a better Killer Mike, uh, yes. more seasoned and focused. That's Killer the word Mike because that's the word season. And yeah, we've uh, we've seen Killer Mike over the years especially in the 90s, 2000s. And then, you know, once he became political and, you know, being one of those, I guess, voices of the black community, obviously that's really great. But when he was starting doing music again, some of those songs were not as potent as he as it used to. Now he's just focusing on music. You can see the the talent that's still there, the, the, the consciousness is still there, the patience of understanding what works and not works is in there. Because he had a bunch of features, but I think every last one of the features worked. I think oh, the, work. the that's beat crazy, production bro. was crazy. And obviously who stole the show, one of the greatest rappers of all time, man, 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 Andre Three Stacks, bro. He's, he's so different, man. He's so innovative. Finding, still finding new ways of how to rap, bro. Finding new pockets, bro. That's tough. That's just tough. How do you do it? How do you still do that? And you in Japan just blowing a flute. It goes to the studio and give us a crazy 60. <laughs> I don't understand it, man. That's He's on another level. It's like level. how we were with Nas with King Disease 3. We're like, how is he still doing this? Yes, bro. How are you still doing this? How are you still like, your mind is still just, just clicking and finding different yeah. pockets, bro. Like... You really have to be gifted to be able to do that at this age. Because obviously, just with sport, even in sports, your natural age is not your real age. Like If you're 30, you're literally like 35, 36. And if you're 38, you're 50. In the rap so game, they, they look at it so different. They look at it so different in the rap game, man. They're like, oh, man, you're getting up you're there. Old head. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you turn 35, man, you're really oh, an old man. head in the game. <laughs> So just to, to be able to do that consistently, and it's been like almost three decades of him rapping. I think it has been three decades since him been rapping. I think 90s. Yeah, close one. Almost, almost. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, but this is this is a great body of work. First and foremost, not in first and foremost, because we already passed that. 14 songs. Concise, beautiful, flow well. And uh solid cover art. <laughs> everything just everything just worked. I think it just it just it just was a good it was well thought out. Yeah. You know, we This were, was Atlanta. Yeah, that's what it it I like that's the albums Atlanta. that make you think of a certain region. There are certain yeah. albums I think of and I'm just like, yeah, this this is this is where it takes me to, this region. And that's and that's what this album did. Yeah, man, spaceship views, bro, really that surprised me. With cage pay cash pays, two chains, currency. Like those are like Four different artists. Currency yeah, it is, is one of my favorites, bro. Currency is yes, 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 yes. I don't know. 
all these people, all these artists are really gifted in their ability, even with the something for junkies with Fable. Fable is still screaming on tracks. <laughs> it's just some nostalgic about this. And it's it's 2023, man. This is really dope. Ty Dolla Sign was throughout this. He even had Jagged Edge on here. Summer was really a dope track. Man. Oh. You, know, you know how, and like, then, I think, you know how we, in the 2010s, there were albums that we were like, oh, that was, like, one of the defining albums of the 2010s. I think when, yeah. we, when we get to the end of the 2020s, we're going to look back at this album. It's like, bro, that was one of the defining albums. I think it's that good. I really think it's that good. Yes. I think it's one it's, of those, those, those decade-long lasting albums. Killer Mike, if you continue to do this, oh my goodness. I'll put you in there with one of the greats. You're a great rap. You're a good rapper. I don't think he, he's like in with the greats, though. But if you continue to make this in your later stages of your career, and you definitely, there's going to be hard not to put you in there with the greats. Climbing the rank, <laughs> climbing the rank. Yes, because <laughs> this was mm. this was so good. This was one I could not wait to review. I was like, man, I hope Savon likes this because this is this is amazing. Oh. <laughs> I like Killer Mike. I was introduced by Killer Mike because of Outcast, right? And then I was introduced to Bone Crusher because of Outcast. So all these, like even the Goody Mob, I learned about them through Outcast, and it was out before Outcast. Mm-hmm. So Outcast introduced me to, and so when we much, had. Uh, what's his name? He his his album was really dope, and he's cousins with Sleepy Brown. We and he was on the podcast. Was it Jam- Jamil? Yes, Jamil Davis. Yeah, yes. Even like talking to him, it was just like like bro, you have first first hand knowledge first- of just greatness. <laughs> when he said bro. that, I would never forget. I was like, what? You just <laughs> bro, that's insane. They. <laughs> Bro, they put out so I've introduced to so many artists because of Outcast. Like, so man, just yeah, yeah. To Five be stars. able to still listen to those guys like yep. Killer Mike, bro, still killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Makes you feel good. Um, and, and I'll get into our, to our next review with Young Thugs Business is Business and his first album since 2021. And and on top of that, him, you know, being incarcerated for more than a year, had this whole album re- release process under a different cycle. Um, there was different type of reduction on this with some being of a slow brooding type and, and you know like the intro parade on Cleveland the other half was like more melodic but uh what, what were your thoughts on this album because I wasn't really even expecting this year a, a release from Young Thug and then Gunna obviously had one the year the week before and there was this beef about oh Young Thug's gonna try to outdo Gunna <laughs> so there was just like of course this, this back and forth. you knew when when Gunna dropped a full album I was like okay Young Thug is gonna be dropping within the next two weeks it's just gonna happen he's not gonna let that slide but what, what, what were your takeaways from this album and just, you know, kind of, cause some people say like this, this, this did sound like an, like a bit of a dated young, young thug. It didn't sound as current cause Gunna sounded more current, but, but what overall takeaways did you kind of have for it? It, just, it was just, it was just young thug, bro. It was just another young thug album. There's, there's, I think he reached his ceiling. Mm. Even with you know coming out of jail, I think he reached his ceiling. It's a it's a lot of artists that had that gap or had those years where they were really on fire, he and had that. they just reached their ceiling. Yeah, like the baby reached his ceiling. I can't stand his songs. Every time I hear a baby song and how he raps in the same cadence, I can't do it. Young Thug, it's the same thing. Even Gunna, a Gunna sounds like the 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 same. Like the same. I'm be you have with your, you, and you I know have people, your I know people say like that. <laughs> I don't get with the hype. The, I don't. Is it just me? Because I just think it's okay. No. I don't think it's like people are saying this is it's oh this is the album of the year. I'm like, 
man, maybe I just don't understand music anymore. <laughs> I was just like, cause I, I tried, I really tried. I, and I was just like, it just, I liked his last album better, honestly, but this one just, it just didn't do it. It, it was the same. Their, their ceiling has been reached. They talk about the same context. I mean, the same topics. There's no, like there's there no innovation. Artists, there's there are artists who can talk about the same thing and make it sound better, though. We know that there are artists who can. Yeah, do that. <laughs> but they they kind of you know you know spruce it up. It's the <laughs> same it yeah. same vanilla cake, but they put different icing on it, or different decorations on it. He giving us the same cake we ate three years ago. I'm tired of it. Anybody eat the cake? No, I want to eat the cake. I don't want to eat the cake. Leave like me that alone. Sunday dinner. It's like, oh man, I had this dessert like last Chicken and green beans again. <laughs> God, I'm tired of fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, man. It's the same thing over gotta, and over. Uh, give us a new recipe. Come on, give us a new recipe. <laughs> Please. Or just like call it something else and put it on a different decoration or something. There's and then business is business. Okay, you get it out of jail. Okay, cool. We've heard this before. Like, bro, give us a different like concept, give us something. I don't know, but just give us something else. I, I mean, you're you're I listening. Like, like I like the fact that his last album, Punk, was, was like it was more like because I like that album a lot because it it was it had like more more diversity in it. Like he had a rock elements. He had a just different. He to me, he just he was more creative in that, and he took more risks mm. with that album. This one, I think it was it was more so just like I'm just gonna stay in my comfortable my comfortable pocket and there are songs off here that i like 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 honestly like but it's just the whole album just wasn't a standout i wasn't like when you're when we're and, and when we're following albums like killer mike one where we see the the creativity and just the thought pattern this one just felt like a little just safe overall it just felt like a safe album yeah i think this should have been an ep and i Wouldn't think when you, yeah and i think when you get to a certain stage of like you know, stage of when in your career, like Young Thug Gunna, they kind of are afraid of the EP nature. And a lot of big artists album. really don't EP. They they give albums and mixtapes. But this should have been an EP. This should have been more a more squeeze tight six songs. Get your point across and keep it moving. I think your numbers would have been better. I don't think his numbers were really good. I don't think. I know. I think Gunna numbers was good, but Gunna's I don't think Young Thug's numbers weren't weren't that good but i think this should have been an ep or just drop a couple singles don't be afraid of singles don't be afraid of the ep you're not you're not it's that okay big to take to your be... time it's okay to take your time yes. with the album you don't have to just put it out you can you can run through the process slowly you know so definitely Mm-mm-mm. um and now getting to our next review with, with russ uh chomp chomp 2.5 ep um in this new mini project russ goes back to kind of like the fundamentals with the stars studied list of producers such as ninth wonder the alchemist boy one to havoc and, and static selecta and, and I know like Russ has been putting out singles in the past, but I, I like the fact that I like when Russ just goes and just goes and raps and and, and picks soulful mm-hmm. beats like the like the uh, the last Chomp album he had a really good a really good project. A lot of songs off there I still go back and listen to. I think when when Russ is the type of artist when he's in his element he's in it. Like sometimes yeah. he can be hit or miss, <clears> but when he's in it, and I feel like this this EP he was really in his element and he picked all the all the producers. The dream producers you would want an EP. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad he did it. That did this as an EP. I think if this was strong along too much, I think it would have lost some of his luster. But I, I, I gotta give him his credit of being versatile because he, he, he gave us the pop sounds, he gave us the catchy tunes, and then that that one album, bro. He straight bars. Man. For the first three songs, I was so into this project. <clears throat> 
excuse me, the like the beats. Oh my gosh, the, the, the rhythm, the beat, flow. It's that type of beat. You just want to be like, man, this is so good. <laughs> man, um, just send me, just send me something. Send me your scraps, bro. I would love to take them. But man, yeah, the first three songs really captivated me. I was like, yo, his his cadence, his voice, everything. At first, I was you know nitpicking the 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 mixing and mastering, but I thought, and then I put it on the speakers and I was like, okay, it sounds really, really good. Cause on the phone, it sounded like he was uh, away from the beat. Like it was like they mix and master it, not like under it, but just on top of it and had the beat surrounded. Mm -hmm. Sometimes his production is, is reverse or his mix and master reverse, but anywho, <clears throat> but the last three songs, uh, I didn't really like for some reason. I don't know. I think it's, it got redundant. I don't know if that makes sense, but the first three tracks, I was like, okay, cool, cool. They're, they're really fire. And I was, I was hyped for easy reflection and perfectionist. And then I, I just didn't, it didn't hold on to me and it cling to me. So I got to, I may re-listen to it, but the first few songs, Wicked Rage, Blow the Whistle, Buck Up Your Freestyle. Tough. Tough. <laughs> got saved. Oh yeah, got definitely. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <Man. laughs> But Russ is, yeah, he, man, he's a great rapper, bro. I, I don't think he's good anymore. When you're versatile like that and you've you have done to put it the for, great, you have to put the great title behind him. He's a great rapper. He's not, he's not like in the Hall of Fame, but oh. he's a great rapper. He's like one of those wide receivers. He's like Tory Holt. Mm. I don't think Tory Holt is a Hall of Famer, but he was a great wide receiver. Yeah. Isaac Bruce. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, top five, top five, <laughs> top five. That's like Kendrick, Drake, J. Cole. Okay. They're Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. But Russ, it's okay to be a great rapper and not be in the Hall of Fame. You're not considered a different table. It's okay. You can't sit at the at the who's who's table. <laughs> right. At least you're in the room. Yeah, at least you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now getting to our next review with Kiana Ladies, a grudges. I'm um, in her sophomore album. You know, it's lyrically and sonically more evolved than her debut album. She kind of plays uh, with the sounds within the genre and overall possesses uh, a mature exper experiential uh, direction. Uh, but but getting into this album, like what were your initial thoughts on it and just kind of how it how it sounded as a sophomore project? I'm, I, I like what you said when she was trying to like do something different. And I don't think this was it. I really don't. Even I'm the stagnant. features, even with, with. Yeah, with LMA. It didn't do anything, even with um, what's his name? Bryson um, Tiller. Pull back up, Bryson Tiller. He was rapping. Did not like that. Uh, <laughs> Man, when is the last time you liked something Bryson Tiller's done? <laughs> no, 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 no. It just caught me okay. off guard because I thought we was getting that. He was like, "Oh, but kind of." What's like? Whoa, Bryson. <laughs> Who is this? This this Bryson. <laughs> Uh yeah, man. It's just yeah, it just didn't do it for me. It just even with Cali, where you go, I thought that you know it was just it was just all over the place. It had no direction. It was just just a lot of experimentation in this album that it wasn't no clear cut of what her sound was. Like her her past previous album, I thought that was really concise and it had you can approve on that. But it, I guess. No, you know what? I'm being a hypocrite because we always say, no, no, no. That's when you, no, no, no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. That's when you get into your career, you get solidified. You don't go experimenting you when you try to get solidified. Like four or five like great albums out. 
<laughs> yes. You can do that. You can do that. Not when you only got <laughs> just your second one. Oh, I'm going to be experimental. <laughs> like, nah. I'll build out the science guy. <laughs> no, ma'am. Nah. Do nah. I like her last, I like her last project better than this one. It was, it was just all over the place. If, and I, and I put it as an example as Scissor, Scissor's album. Like we got her signature sound and then we had five tracks. I think it was four or five where she showed her versatility, right. but then she went back for us to what she's yeah. known for. That's what you do. That's the formula. You, if you, this is 17 songs, you got five songs to be experimental or four or five songs to be experimental on. And then you have to give your core sound remaining out of the album. Definitely. And I think she was too experimental. Like Mm, I just yeah, just didn't vibe with it. Too much, too too, too much ex- experimentation. Too much experimentation going on. Yes, too <laughs> much. Yeah, baby girl, what you did previously. Stick with it. If it's kudos, not, we all this... say this with the album reviews. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Just keep doing it. Just yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, keep doing it. You're beautiful though. I Love you, sister. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. You don't have to <laughs> tell me that. Goodness. You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> My goodness, bro, you sound like an old head. My goodness. Everybody says, everybody man, man, well, you're an old soul. What they say, you've been here before, brother. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now, getting into our, our last review, Jen Neo's Called It Love. I'm um, in his latest single and four previous ones leading up to this. Uh, Jen Neo is, is a kind of a very soulful and, and dynamic voice, combining R&B and pop influences, but still having a sound uh, that's refreshing. Uh, what what were your overall like thoughts on this single and, and just kind of like you know what's it out the most with it? He sound like a brother. <laughs> I had to go to his profile. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's Asian. Oh wow, he's either and I, I hate to be wrong, he's either Korean or Japanese. I think he's Korean. He is. Well, he has the features of a Korean yeah. or uh, or Japanese descent. Well, anyways. I thought this was it was uh it was different because it sounded it sounded old school. It yeah. sounded like it was like the nineties R and B a little and bit. That and range. it was refreshing. Yeah, and then it reminded me of Gibeon, who's unheard of right now. He's he had that window. His window was small window, bro. Shout out to the gone. artist who can who can keep that window going for like years, because it's tough. Yes, because it's tough. It is hard, and if you could do it, it's bro. It's different. Look at Brent. Brent Fires, bro. Still going up. Still, still going up. He's album. one of those. Oh my gosh! Even the, I, I listened to the the chop one too. It, it wasn't bad. The chop one's good, but yeah, he's he's still flowing, bro. I just can't wait till he. I want him to release something with Sonder too. That would be fire. Like I love. Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 loving that. And then his last album, yeah, it's still on repeat. Ooh, but yeah, this was this was dope. I want to hear. He's intrigued me enough to hear a full new album. I checked out the other singles to make sure it was similar because you know how yeah, we talked about like you listen to one song and then uh, you go to other tracks. You're like, oh wow, this is not it. <laughs> so I'm just gonna just continue to listen to this one. But no, the other ones were solid yeah. too. Uh, which uh, relapse I listened to. Um, boo, 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 boo. till the morning, I think 
it was a it was a bunch of other ones. But he's, I listened to a lot like of his singles uh, before, yeah, a lot of previous singles. Yeah, top yeah. songs. But yeah, I had to. Yeah, I didn't know he was a uh, one of those uh, Asian brothers. <laughs> but he, yeah, I thought it was dope. Though I'm interested to see him like kind of go to like an EP or maybe even like an album to see how creative he is in his music. I do want to see the, see a full project from him though. Because the singles, if the singles yeah. are any indication, I think it could be something really impressive. Um, the Alchemist is dropping tonight, man. The Alchemist is dropping a new album tonight, bro. One of, you, you're one of your guys, one of your producers, bro. The, the Alchemist doesn't it's miss. A, it's a, I the got Alchemist it. does not miss. Yeah, man. I got him. Uh, I got to say. So soon, yeah, yeah. He he's my top five, Gosh, bro. Man. It's, it, it is just not his producing, bro. It's his his personality. Like watching, and I've said this a million times. Watching um, him with uh, uh, Action Bronson, oh, yeah. it's just like he's funny, he's down to earth, and he's just a, a like a musical genius, bro. And it's just he can, yeah, man. It's it's crazy. He's definitely my type. Savon's gonna be listening to that guy's not Lil Uzi Bird's The Pink Tape tonight. He's he's gonna be listening to that. I <laughs> am not listening to that. Twenty six songs, by the way. Twenty six songs. <laughs> I'm tired yeah, of y'all it, can bro. have those twenty six <laughs> songs, bro. How do you listen to twenty six songs? I can't. I, there are a few artists who, 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 if I heard they were dropping twenty six twenty six song album, I would listen to. There's just there's a you really have to be special for me to be like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to twenty six songs of this because and it it rhymes with rake. That yep, yes sir. <laughs> that's the guy. That's the, that's the only guy. I'm, if I hear he drops twenty six songs out tonight, I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, mean, I got work tomorrow, I but I'm <laughs> Like Scorpion, I dreaded Scorpion. I was like, why you got so many songs? But I listen to every last it's one. It's the five year anniversary of Scorpion, bro. Time is. I long, saw that. Bro. Oh, I'm upset. <laughs> That was an era. That was one of his like <laughs> he owned 2018, bro. <laughs> the tour, man, he's been videos, bro. I like Scorpion. Yeah, a lot. Man. People can say whatever they want. So that's Scorp- Scorpion. Scorpion has some really good tracks. Nah, he has some. He has some fire songs Finesse on Scorpion. It's still I've... my song. Finesse. Oh yeah. <laughs> Eight out of ten is one yeah, of my favorites. Too rich for. <laughs> Hey, your wifey, your wifey. Man. Like, <laughs> your trainer is pressing play. Your daughter is pressing play. The fish is pressing play. Like when he gets to dissing, when he gets to dissing, bro. <laughs> bro, that was a great song. That was. Bro. I can't argue with you. No. I'm, I'm one happy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> that was so funny. Man. Man what a time. He dropping again too. He is. Oh, that's right. For all the dogs. For all the dogs. Yeah, for all the dogs. That's what they say. That's speculation. We'll you know, he put, he put he put because he he released a, a poetry book, um, called Titles Were in Everything, and then he put, <laughs> he put under, then he put then he put under the album announcement. They say they missed the old Drake. Girl, don't tempt me. For all the dogs, I was like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, I saw that, but he, I didn't know it was a poem book. That's that's Drake, bro. That's, that's, Canadian, that's Canadian, eh? That's Canadian. That's Canadian. Beat. I'm gonna drop a poem, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what if I that's said terrible. one day I'm gonna release a poetry book? Would you would you buy it? Would you be like Wellington, Wellington? Of course, <laughs> of course. I'm gonna support you, brother. It better be it better good. Be good too. <laughs> it, I bet I hear the roses are red either. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Who is this oh, guy I'm, I'm podcasting with? <laughs> 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 
Oh my We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Mo Better Blues review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Mo Better Blues review. And to start off with the overview, this is a 1990 musical comedy drama film starring Denzel Washington, Wesley Snipes, and Spike Lee, who also wrote, produced, and directed it. it follows a period in the title of fictional jazz trumpeter Gilliam, played by Washington, as a series of bad decisions resulted in jeopardizing both his relationships and his playing career at a budget of $10 million and brought in $16,153,600 and had a 71% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on a film that was you know, very suspenseful, um, packed with great music and deals with you know personal issues uh, more than social ones? First thing I noticed was, man, they got a lot of legends in here. <laughs> From Charlie Murphy, Samuel Jackson, Bill Nunn, Wesley Snipes, Robin Harris, Robin Harris, Denzel, Spike Lee, obviously, even uh, Giancarlo uh, Esposito, something I'm forgetting, whatever, and John Tutorial. And he I loves using the same people, just like every oh, yeah. other director. You know, I was watching Malcolm X uh, right before the podcast. I'm like, yo, I've seen all of them. And all the other movies that he did back in the 90s. But um, yeah, I thought this was an interesting movie. You could tell this is his early career of directing and shooting. And um, it was a lot of a lot of good in this movie. I, I love some of the shots. Uh, I love the, the actors in it. Denzel always brings out. But there were some, some things I'm like, yeah, this was low budget. And this was definitely made in the 90s. But overall, <laughs> I thought it was a, a pretty decent movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the interesting thing. Because like, like last time um, when I did the podcast with Trenton, he was talking about with Christopher Nolan, how he uses similar actors mm-hmm. and, and actresses. Spike Lee does the same thing. Like, do you think that's just a, a natural thing for a director, a successful director to do? Like when they feel, when they fit something that just works and it clicks, they're like, I want to go back to this and keep using it. Oh, for sure. Even uh, Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, uh, the, the list goes on of, you know, directors using the same people. Cause you already have that, that relationship with them and, and know yeah. what they can and cannot do, how they can bring a character out. And sometimes you write character just for those actors that you worked with in the past, or you like, Hey man, play this or like Samuel Jackson said, he, uh, he made himself be in kill bill. He was like, man, I could play the uh, piano guy. So yeah. sometimes his actors wanted to be in the films or, you know, directors like, Hey, come, come do this for me. So, um, I, I don't think it's any, any different with Spike Lee and Spike Lee, uh, he definitely has that uh, group of people that he used a lot in the 90s, not more so later down the road, but definitely in the 90s. He was like, yo, I need you to payroll. I need you on call because I don't know yeah. if I can find anybody else. But anyway, yeah, every, all great directors uh, utilize the same, yeah, same formula. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting into our first topic from one of four stars, what would you give it? Um, you know, I would go with three because, you know, there's just so much good dialogue within it real combative situations that turn into a boiling point and that's a really interesting concept um and, and, and i do see your point about hey like this was shot differently it, this you could tell it, w- it was low budget in, in certain aspects but from one to four stars what would be your particular rating oh two two stars um <laughs> just some of the scenes bro <sighs> like you could tell it was they weren't kicking them really you could tell like the punches the cutting was a little like sort of kind of bad 
the best shots came from the performances when they were on oh, stage, yeah, amazing. even with, um, yeah, when they were on stage, saxophone, the different panning out, coming in, that was the best shots. Like even the fight scene in the alley when they were beating up Spike Lee, it was just terrible. Yeah. It was just terrible. When it, and even with Denzel, when he came out there and got beat up, it was just, <laughs> it's like, bro, who cut this? Who, who, who did the stunts? Who, who rehearsed this? And then the acting, some of the acting was terrible too. Like uh, the other girl uh, that was dating the light-skinned one, her oh, acting was so terrible. Bad. bad. I'm like, bro, how did you get here? Hey, excuse me, ma'am. How did you get here? Yeah. I need to see your credentials. I need to see your credentials yeah, uh, real quick. <laughs> who told you you were cast? <laughs> I think... That's the question I want to hear from you. There was some miscommunication. <laughs> right. Even now in 2023, who cast you? Yeah. Who you, who you knew? Would, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but some of the acting was terrible. Some of the shots, it was just like you can tell he was early in his career. Obviously, he's so much better at uh, editing and uh, shooting. and bring, But obviously, you got to get to that moment. Mark Scorsese wasn't as good. Even Taxi Driver had some of his faults. You could tell it was like ABC shooting, ABC yeah. cutting. Like So you, as yeah, as a director, you got to get to that point. But that's why I gave it two stars. Obviously, you got a star-studded cast with a lot of legends. But you can't negate just the. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't do the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And then yeah. obviously he has his. No, he didn't start that yet. His famous shot is look like they're riding something, and it's like a like a Westcom shot. Coming oh yeah, and that's it's slow. That's his signature. signature. His signature. signature shot. I love that shot. It was in Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Beautiful shot. Man. But yeah, but this was yeah, this wasn't. The storyline, the the storyline and the the script was good. It was just the the shooting and the editing for me that really kind of in some of the acting kind of like did it for me. <laughs> the light skin credit uh, credential girl. <laughs> <laughs> it anyway, wasn't because of that. No, I'm kidding. She was just like, "Don't call me Indigo." <laughs> I was like, "What?" The l- other lady was had a better performance. Better, you yeah. could you could tell like she had a couple gigs before this one. You know. Nothing against the dark skin, like light skin <laughs> oh, epidemic man. that's in the black community. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> I was like, man, we got to use our words carefully with this one. <laughs> but, but would you, before we move on, would, would you say Malcolm X is, is, is that Spike Lee's best film to you? Ooh. So I know some would say do the right thing, but man, Malcolm X is... It's, it's top three. Do the right thing is... It's out of do the right thing or or Malcolm X. He has some some other great ones, but just everything aligned and do the right thing. But Malcolm X, it was it was almost three hours long, but it was so tasteful from the beginning to the end. The editing was really good, but the and obviously Denzel, he it really looked like he was Malcolm X. It did. I've seen a lot of depictions and a lot of people play that role, but none of them sound like him. None of them, they move like him. Even the pressure points in the fingers, Denzel had it to a T. I'm like, bro, oh my. No, He Got Game is up there oh, too now. yeah, because we, we reviewed that one recently. Yeah. So he got some good ones, some, but I do think it's either Malcolm X or Do the Right Thing. The Do the Right yeah. Thing was, that was a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And he used the same actors. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you might as well keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but they broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Um, and now getting to a favorite character, um, I, I would go with Bleak because, you know, he's conflicted in many parts of the film because he knows what he wants, but he's still confused about 
the right way to go about it and doesn't really realize the people he's going to hurt long term. Uh, to you, overall, who is who is your favorite character in this one? <laughs> I have to give it to uh, Samuel Jackson's character, Matlock. Like it was just how you were a henchman, and uh, you got a like a messed up leg when he first introduced. <laughs> and it, bro, just thinking about that scene, how they opened the door and how he fell, bro. That was shot so terribly. But he was my favorite character though because it was funny. And uh, and obviously I wanted to say Denzel. You said Denzel, but I have to pick. <laughs> I gotta pick somebody else. <laughs> so Matlock, it is Matlock's <laughs> the favorite character. No, nah, I'm gonna say Denzel. I mean his the I do say the, the scenes where he's switching from different girl, and obviously one of their acting was terrible. But the switching and the eyes, the the driftedness, and the be able to cut back and forth. Uh, man, Denzel's character and how he brings that character out, and he was a mad dog on that trumpet. Mad dog, especially when Spike Lee was getting beat up in the alley. He was like, going harder, <laughs> and then he walked out, didn't say nothing, just walked out to the alley, and got beat up. <laughs> like, no, like, hey, thank you for coming. <laughs> None of that. He didn't, he's just like, no, nah, I'm leaving. <laughs> didn't acknowledge his bandmates. Nothing. Like, you gonna say something, man? <laughs> just walked into the alley and got beat up. Yeah. Cold world. Cold world, Jermaine Cole. Jermaine Cole. <laughs> um, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, first the scales, also Bleak's uh, trumpet practice, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bleak and, and Shadow competing, Inigo and Clark walking in, uh, also Where's Our Money, a Giant Beat mm-hmm. to a Pope, Save My Life, Please, and then finally uh, uh, Bleak and mm-hmm. Inigo's Wedding. Uh, to you, what were some of the memorable uh, scenes overall in this film? Every last one of you just mentioned, especially the... The the scene they got beat up in the alley, um, the the scene right before he got beat up in the alley, just to show that back and forth, and then him no no not the back and forth, but him just going crazy, and then the back and forth between him and um, Shadow was really good, and then the scene when he was going back and forth with the girls, and they was talking about my name ain't Indigo, and it was just like the and he yeah. just grabbed this trumpet. Every time you you know get into something, you want to grab your your trumpet and something like that. I thought that was a great scene because it told more than what was shot. So I think that was my favorite scene. Him just spacing out, going to that, and then grabbing his saxophone, and then yeah, it that said was more like back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it said more than what was shot, especially when he grabbed the trumpet and then him staring out the window when he hears the door shut. He doesn't even play it, but the trumpet gives him a simple comfort of you know, and then. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, "What Do You Want from Bleak?" Also, you don't know what you want from Clark. I know what I want. My music, everything else is secondary. Um, also, say something from Clark, and then finally, all Bleak cares about it is Bleak from from Shadow. Um, what were your overall like quotes that you felt as though were the standouts? Um, and also, you know, the, the the contrast, you know, with with Wesley Snipes' character and Denzel's like their back and forth. I feel like that was one of the most like pivotal parts like also what did you think about the the kind of the chemistry i feel as though denzel and wesley snipes also had in this film as, as well yeah you could tell um i think this is not a typical wesley snipes uh role especially in the 90s he was he had the show him and denzel had the show to see them on the same screen and be able to like go back and forth to see how how much real how much range they have in the ability to bring any type of character um to life and do it at a at a high standard but man, I think you said 
the best one, like, what do you want? I want a man who knows what he wants, decisive, blah, blah, blah. I know what I want, my music, everything else is secondary. Yeah. And that shows that in those scenes, every time he was that was going back and forth with the women, grabbing his his, you know what I'm saying, his sax or his trumpet, whatever the case may be, and him just holding on to it and just like, oh, um, that was okay, his everything. You're still here. Yeah, that was his everything. Music was his everything. So um that was I think that was it just sums up the character. Cause if you wasn't really paying attention through the whole film, that conversation and that scene. The yeah. scene with him going back and forth with the women will tell you all you need to know about oh, yeah. the character. Blake. Definitely. Um, and now getting into kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, just the decline of friendship being chronicled. You know, when money comes into the equation, because that that's yes, like we see was... with so many of these movies when money comes in. Um, like even I was watching uh, a couple weeks ago the the, the the Temptations movie, and like ego is always it's always there. It's always something that has been a part of music groups and, and just, you know, how that overarching goal for Shadow, him trying to realize um, the what he wanted, because he, he wanted his own gig. He wanted more money. He mm-hmm. wanted to shine. He eventually got that. But that was the battle him and Bleak were going through in the entire movie. Uh, what particular element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? That and the addition of what would you put, like, how how focused are you when it comes to being successful? And I think when it comes to Bleak, he was willing to put everything aside and just focus on the music. And I think that takes a lot of focus, especially in that time, because obviously it was music, it was drugs, it was women, that that's yeah. everywhere, right? And to be focused on your craft, on top of friendship, bring, how, like what will break down or, or halt a friendship, which is always money, always, man. always <laughs> ego. It's the same formula since, you know, you know, B.C., yeah. So I think those two, two part of the storyline really brought it out. I think the script was really good. Yeah, the script was so good. Solid script. Solid, solid script. And just if it was shot today, I think the movie would be her. even better. Yes, yeah. for sure. For Definitely. sure. Um, and now getting to our last topic, things from now, do you still think it will be watched but intriguing? Um, I, I, I feel as though this is a film that, like you said, the script is solid. I think when you have the whole cast in it, like Denzel, Wesley Snipes, um, uh, Gian uh, Carlo Esposito, just all those guys in it. It's going to, and even Spike Lee, you know, he was, a, if you haven't watched the film, he, he acted in it a, a, as well and, and contributed a lot. Into mm-hmm. it. So when you have all that, I feel as though it is one that you can, We like we would say about Scorsese, like a film like Raging Bull, it's not one of those ones you instantly go to, but it's deep within the ball. I feel as though this is like Spike Lee's Raging Bull, like, it's deep within the vault. Yeah. But you'll still, it's still a good movie. It's still one you'll go back to, but it's just not one of those like instant, okay, like you said, Malcolm X or do the right thing. Yeah. You see the potential of what is to become of him being a director, not an actor. <laughs> Spike Lee is not a good actor. <laughs> but I'm just going to say Man, that. He's that was not a, weak, a good actor. He was kind of the weak point of the. <laughs> Even Malcolm X, he was not a good actor. That walking across the street like that. <laughs> You like a GTA uh <laughs> extra. What is going there? Grand Theft Auto extra. Man. But it showed the potential of of how great a director he could be. And now that we know what came to fruition. Um, but yeah, it's not one of those films you go back to watch all the time. It's not one of his top five films, but I do think it shows the potential of the writing ability and the directing ability. So 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it watchable? I mean, I mean, so it's, a, it's a good, it's a good film. The, the uh, Spike Lee just ignore Spike Lee's accent, right? <laughs> Try to and, ignore and that and ignore the fight scenes and just like. <laughs> Them just spitting blood out their mouths instead of it being like actual what was full he thinking, man? motion. Them just... <laughs> ignore, and ignore Bleak not acknowledging the crowd or his, or his band members and being like, I'm just going to walk out. Yeah, I'm just going to walk out. Walk out. Yeah, I'm just going to walk out. <laughs> that look. I would have said, where he going? <laughs> He yeah, has that look when he finishes a performance, and he just gave that look. I was like, "I'm out." Yeah, I'm tired. I know what I did. <laughs> I know what I did. I shut it down. That's shut what down. I did. I shut it down. And I'm gonna get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> he got beat up for real with his own instrument. That was yeah. that was yo. That was that funny. Was <laughs> oh my well, gosh. that wraps it up for tonight. I'm Ghost Winter Burns. I'm my counterpart, Save My Horse. Smithful Scope. See you later.